Hi, Jackie. Hard day. Okay, we're going to get started if we could. Jackie, I'll turn it over to you. You don't have to read anything first? Well, I will after you welcome everybody and everything. Oh. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Oh, sorry. Lots going on today. Uh, well, yeah. Welcome, everybody, to uh, the September Lawrence Parks and Rec Advisory Board meeting. And I'll turn everything over to Roger to read all the important stuff he needs to read. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, good evening, everyone. I'm a few housekeeping items for this Zoom hybrid meeting tonight. Uh, please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The board members should be uh, showing themselves and having part of the conversation throughout the evening. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you're participating during the meeting, please turn off your video. This allows active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting when you're participating. Please turn on your video when you, when you are talking. Uh, if you have any trouble, you can send a chat and we'll get you taken care of. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individuals' videos off to minimize distractions during this meeting. Please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those uh, participating remotely. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Chair Jackie Becker. Thanks, Roger. All right, well, to start tonight's meeting, our first thing we will need is to approve the minutes from our August meeting. If I could everyone take a look at that, then we'll be looking for a motion. Uh, this is uh, John Nalbandian, board member. I move that we approve the minutes. Mail and Hall board member second. All right, we have a first from John Nalbandian and a second from Marilyn. Um, everyone in favor who is on our board, please raise your hand. Say aye. Aye. All right. Unanimous minutes are passed. It is now time for public comment. Do we have anybody that is waiting to speak today? They're all for the item number one, correct. Okay, uh, Jackie, the folks in the room are for the first item. Um, and I will just uh, actually say that that email that I sent a little bit ago with some comments we got at four o'clock today are kind of both for the uh, item number one, but the other thing addresses something else that's part of it, uh, and that's the tennis courts. Um, did all the board members receive the, the email? Did you happen to see this that I sent? Yes. Pat and John and Andrea, did you guys receive that email? Yes, I did. Thank you. Okay. Okay. 
Yes, I did too. Okay, that provides you the information that's about the tennis court. So, okay. And we don't have anybody online that's uh, even wanting to speak. So, all right. So then we will look to the people who are at Parks and Rec right now to speak for public comment. This is John Nevin. Could we start? with a review of the naming policy so we know who we're trying to advise here. Sure, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Naming policy uh, is from 2018. Uh, it was developed when uh, Winnie uh, was, I believe, the leader of the Horseshoes out by Holcomb and uh, that group wanted to name the Holcomb courts after her. Broken, Broken Arrow, I'm sorry, yes. And so that's when we start reviewing the policies. The existing policy was a little disconnected and looking around across the country, um, we developed an administrative policy that involves the Parks and Recreation Board. And so the goal of the naming policy is to recognize the firm's citizens organizations that had contributed significantly to the city of Lawrence or the community through notable volunteer and in-kind efforts, outstanding service, or financial contributions by naming park equipment or features in their honor. Uh, it needs to maintain the aesthetics and integrity of our parks and rec areas of public open spaces. Welcome to everyone. Um, the policy itself, the policy of Lawrence Parks and Recreation is to reserve the naming or renaming parks and recreation facilities for circumstances we best serve in the interest of the city, as well as ensure the worthy uh, and enduring legacy of the Parks and Recreation System. The Department reserves the right to refuse any naming submissions at the sole discretion for any or no stated reason. Consideration may be given for outstanding individual who has given a substantial and lasting contribution to the Lawrence Parks and Recreation, the City of Lawrence, or the State of Kansas. Um, let's see, procedures. All requests must be made in writing to the Parks and Recreation Director should include the following. Janice Richardson formally requested Lawrence Pickleball players to honor Evan Yorn with the sign naming the Lions Park Pickleball Courts after him. And that's located at 700 Lions Street, Lawrence, Kansas. Um, the narrative she provided. He helped form and nurture a new community of players that span all ages and demographics. He created a culture of sportsmanship that simply does not permit negativity. He acted as a liaison between parks and recreation facilities, and he personally handled all manner of pickleball-related issues, both pers personal and professional. And of course, he was also our community's first official pickleball ambassador. Although you will see five names at the end of this request, they easy, easily could have come from hundreds more because there is no way to adequately express the affection and appreciation we have for him. Respectfully submitted by Janice Richardson, Lynn Gimple, Liz and Ron Calloway, Nancy Hodges, Linda Carr. The other recommendation was from Steve Dirks. Um, he is uh, the brother-in-law to Evan Yorn. Stephen lives in uh, Dallas. It'd be uh, it'd be nice to name the courts after him, and so that was on and on. So the request is from the following, which was provided Janice's email: current name, location of park, recreation area, facility, and feature. 
the proposed name of feature, reasons for the proposed name, significant contributions made by individuals or organizations deserving the name recognition, names of individuals or groups supporting the proposed name, and then we go to B, all proposals for naming or renaming shall be reviewed by the Director of Parks and Recreation and the Lawrence Parks and Recreation Advisory Board for approval. Features approved for naming will be reviewed biannually by the board and continue additional every two years after that. Um, naming of park equipment feature does not preclude the Parks and Rec Department from making changes to an area, which may include removal of name feature. Person or organization that names feature is responsible for all costs to create and install sign. All signs must be approved by the LPRD director. Repair to signs is the responsibility of that person, of the person that paid for the sign. Signs that are prepared in tone manner uh, will be removed by LPRD staff. And so that's the administrative policy in that show. So I was John Nalbandian, board member. Who has the final decision? It says the board, it says the director and the board. So does that mean we have to, how, how should we interpret that? Or how is it, how, yeah. do we have past practice? We really don't because the horseshoe, I don't think it happened, I think, when we passed away. Um, oh, she was alive. But I can't remember the sign. We gave them the approval, and then I'm not sure if they put a sign up or not. Okay. You gave approval. Thank you. Okay, so there's a director approval. Correct. So it would have been this, and so it'd be um, a recommendation from the board to the director. Okay. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And just to clarify, Roger Steinbrock, communications and special events. Um, we do have a naming policy for facilities and parks, which is currently residing in legal, uh, being reviewed that the board had worked on with me, um, with, with the subcommittee. Um, and that's overarching for parks and facilities. This is the amenities within the park. So not to get people more confused. So for discussion, um, we could go through the the public comment, yeah. and then okay. I could have the one written. But Roger, your yeah. recommendations. Right. Well, I I think it goes back to Jackie since you've okay. done your presentation. If the board has questions of staff first, and then we will hear from public, and then you go back to Jackie for questions back to staff. All right, uh, Jackie Becker, Chair, is uh, are there any more questions for anyone on the board right now regarding the naming policy in relation to the pickleball courts in North Lawrence? I don't see or hear any, so now we need to go back to hear from the public comment that is about uh, our number one agenda item tonight. If people want to speak, if you come up a little closer to that circle there, because those are mics, so they're... I'll tell you what, how about I leave a pen and you can write down your name and um, yeah. we can have a, we'll have a, a public record. 
I need to get back into that process. I think the sign is just your name's fine. Thank you. He's kind of uh, I'm Lynn Gimpel, a pickleball player in Lawrence, and the letter we submitted, I just wanted to add, there were several things we didn't mention about Evan Yorn in terms of contributions to the community. Um, Evan spent many years counseling senior citizens on how to get through the Medicare website, which is not easy. Um, he's uh, He still sings with, I think, the Christian. Crescendo uh, Choir, and isn't he still currently president of the Optimist Club? Yes. Yes, he's president of the Optimist Club. So his contribution to our community extends beyond just pickleball. But what he's done for this community, there was no pickleball, which maybe some people don't like, but there was no pickleball before Evan brought it here. And he brought it here with the idea, there are many young people that play now, but he brought it here with the idea that just because you're retired doesn't mean that you are uh, you should be inactive. And he brought tremendous joy and, and uh, extended friendships. And that's all uh, my name is Tim Smith, pickleball player. Um, yeah, Evan, Evan has built a community of players that you'll never probably hear from because there's so many and they're so scattered and so varied throughout the community. People play all hours of the day in different places, um, but he was a central figure. He's if you if you talk to almost any of them, he probably taught them how to play. He holds he holds all the instruction classes in two different places. Uh, does this all for free? Um, still does it. And so not all you know pickleball players, but we're all pickleball players trained by Evan Jordan. So. That's what I have to say. Okay. I'm Janice Richardson, and uh, I'm the one that started all this months <laughs> ago that is moving slowly, although hopefully quickly now. Uh, what we would want is the sign to be hung inside the pickleball courts so that when you walk in, you can see that. That way, if there is public that is unhappy with the pickleball courts, they would only see the backside of the sign. <laughs> and we know there might be some unhappy people. But uh, so, yeah, so when you walk in, you guys have put a second gate, but you can just you can just see it. It would be on the west side of the courts, but facing the courts, the west side of the fence, yeah, facing the inside. And I have no idea how many of you guys make signs. Or, yes. Yes. This is Johnny Albany, and I'd like to ask a question. Mm -hmm. uh, how, uh, not how many people, but uh, how often are the courts used? Uh, every single day. Every single day. Seven every day. Seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then when, yeah. All summer at seven o'clock in the morning. Till we're there. Probably 10. Yeah. There's the people playing. I played till 10 30 this morning and there was our discussion Wednesday night game last week. Yeah. No doubt that had, you know, oh, 20 or 30 people. And we went Friday night. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just people that we know from Evanland. 
the community. There's lots of young people that work during the daytime that are over there. There's lots of kids over there just batting the ball around. Cages, there's some cages. Yeah, yeah. We picked up some some real good KU kids that come yeah. at seven o'clock in the morning with us and then home and go to class. So it's it's spreading its age range. Do you, do you know the comparison of how popular the pickleball is versus the tennis? Tennis, believe it or not, across the nation was declining yeah. because pickleball is growing so much because it's so accessible to more people. More people can play it. Not everybody can cover a tennis sport, play, but an older generation, or it's you get a lot more people to use the same amount of space because it, you can put four pickleball courts where one tennis court is. And so instead of two people using up that space, you can have 16 people getting their exercise. And so for that reason, a lot of tennis courts and a lot of communities are starting to convert over uh, because there's just not that many people out there playing tennis all the time. And most of us did play tennis or racquetball or something in the past. Yeah, and now our knees and our elbows and our shoulders are <laughs> much more to a lighter weight ball and a smaller course. So there's actually a public health component to oh, it. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. yes. Be interesting to add a ball of pedals everybody's lost with the mic. <laughs> People just be friends as we've all made, though. And it's, and it's, it's actually it's purely for your health because it, yeah. it's relatively low impact. So if your reflexes, you're not you know trying to run you know ten miles or something or ride a bike hundred miles. Uh, you can get it done. You can come in and play for a half hour, forty five minutes, and get a day's worth of exercise. You can have fun. And the equipment is fairly inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah, very and an older population. Mm -hmm. Okay, very much so. Can we invite y'all? Yes. Come to Evan beginner class. <laughs> yeah, how did Here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an old patient, a cancer patient. So you know, it's uh, it's for everybody. Yes. Yeah. Good for everybody. Yes. One of Evan's best quotes is, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Thank you. It's true. Uh, Jackie Becker, Chair. Can you remind me out there? I mean, I play sports out there and I can't remember. Is that divided into pickleball and tennis in North Lawrence or is it just exclusively pickleball now? The latter. Yeah, it's all pickleball. It's all pickleball. It's all pickleball. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes, that's what we have. We have eight courts out there now, and we have other courts around town. And all this was started by Evan about 14 or 15 years ago, I think, when they played in the uh, senior center. Uh, and I didn't start playing. When I started playing, they were in, they were playing at uh, Holcomb Park. And lighting courts with chalk or with Peter's um, tape, and bringing our own nets. And now we have a lot, a lot of dedicated courts around. But uh, it's it's not unlikely to see you know thirty or forty people uh, at Lions Park on any given morning, seven days a week. And there might be forty or fifty people also playing almost the same time at the sports pavilion because there's a lot of courts there and he, twice a week he gives uh, beginner lessons. I started playing 10 years ago 
And uh, I weighed less than I weighed 10 years ago, you know, and, and I feel like I'm in a lot better condition because, uh, because I play and I'm not that good at working out or just, you know, exercise for its own sake. I like to get out and play, have some competition. Would you state your name for the record? Yes, my name is Ron Calloway. Uh, Mike Wilson, I would just remind everybody of the history in the city now of naming facilities. Fred the Victor Trail, George Williams Street, Lynn Goodell Street, Watson Park. Uh, I even had my name on a urinal in the sewer plant. <laughs> Some employee said, F you, Mike Wilson. So, yeah, Lee Icefield, there, this is not something unusual. And it's not, the real important thing to me is it's not naming, renaming Lions Park. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to, there's no intention there. It's just the courts and a small, you know, not a big, huge flashing sign or anything, just a recognition. And it's, it's not overwhelming. It's not going to overwhelm the park. It's not going to overwhelm the Lions, the history of Lions Park itself. So, thanks. Derek, you want to read the comment that we yeah. all received? Yep. I'll read uh, from the North Lawrence Improvement Association. Uh, bear with me because I, I'm not as good as reading Dr. Script. I like my own handwriting, but I challenge there. <laughs> Two parts recreational advisory. North Lawrence residents and the North Lawrence Improvement Association want our town courts back. The tennis courts were stolen from the North Lawrence <laughs> residents. North Lawrence has, has a returned, a retired, retired tennis pro that lives in North Lawrence and helps kids and adults learn to play tennis. Residents do not want to name our courts Evan Yorn Pickball Courts. Must go back to South Side of the River. Neighbors do not like the noise that. Paddles and balls make when game is played. North Orleans residents play tennis, not pickle. Well, we want our tennis sports back. Sincerely, the residents of North Lawrence Improvement Association signed to the world. Roger, is there any other written or email? Okay. And I read Steve. Dick's and Janice's, and we heard Janice's comments. Probably in the six years that I have played football at Lions, I have maybe seen people playing this before the, the additional four courts were made, which was last year and a half ago. I probably saw people playing tennis, and they really weren't playing tennis. They were just batting ball. I mean, not even a tennis game five times. Sport because some people did want to and we want to snap at some sports. So when I felt bad, we 
Well, this isn't the request for what they want. This is the request to name. It. So, yeah. yeah, if you guys want to deal with the contest, we're going to do that. We, we're not objecting to that. That's right. I think it's fine. Yeah. But I don't think you're changing what's there now. Which is what they want. They want that. So, right. and with the cost of things, just an FYI, whether you build pickleball courts or you build tennis courts. Yeah. I was with uh, the director for Poland um, the other day because we haven't been to courts out in a long time. They recently did a bid on tennis courts, three hundred thousand dollars. Oh, yeah, three hundred thousand. I don't know how many courts, but if you look at, at concrete costs and some of the other costs of construction right now, so whether we build pickle or, or tennis, that amenity is expensive, and so it's just an FYI. So I, I get the neighborhood saying yes, we would like you to build a tennis court and do something else, but even a bathroom's over hundred thousand dollars now to put a you know. A real restaurant. <laughs> What's the water feature? A couple hundred thousand. <laughs> you don't. We'll talk about that later. It's over it's approximately 600,000. The costs are just, there's only so much money that the city can play with. And we got a lot of competing interests. Well, there's building housing right across the street for them. So they're probably going to leave people complaining about the most of the mortgage. Actually, I think they're only. If you, I don't know how far, I mean, I know the sound of people all goes pretty far. It's strange there too, so. You know, <laughs> <laughs> train tracks, and you can't even say the score because the trains are running through. But, you know, we're used to them now. We kind of like them. But uh, there's only, I think, two houses that actually face the pickleball courts, and the rest of them are down on the other side of the baseball fields. And I yeah, they'll be here. They'll be some new ones. I think they're going to be duplexes or triplexes. Otherwise, there's only two. We bought the quarter lot and took a house down because of flood, flood issues years ago. We bought that house because it was always flooding. And I don't think that'd be a place for them. And the, the other house, the, 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 the little one, the one on um, the it's um they had a garage sale last summer and they came and parked their cars over there and the lady was very friendly and i said oh you want to come play pickleball with me she said well one of these days i'm going to and i thought okay i guess you're probably not the one who's playing the noise and then she would be the one that would be the closest to it so well, is a motion in order? Yeah. Yeah. I have a Jackie Becker chair. I have a quick question. Um, to Derek, to your knowledge, has anyone else in North Lawrence recently complained about the pickleball courts, or is this the first time that we've heard from North Lawrence or residents in the area about the noise? And Derek Rogers, director of Parks and Recreation. Um, Ted Boyle is the only person I think who is representing the neighborhood that has complained for the last few months about the noise. Um, I was like, what is the noise? And if you look nationally, I, I don't play the pickleball, so correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a different sound of the pickleball hitting the ground that it, that it makes more of a, a ting sound than it would be a tennis ball yes. sound. Yes, yes. it's a ball. Yes, well, so national, let's go back to Mike's comment. Which is we're talking about the appropriateness of naming the pickleball courts, yeah. not whether we should have them or not. Correct. Which goes back to 
my question, I've got one real quick, Jackie, if you're okay. <laughs> At the 30,000 foot level, what is the intent of the policy? It's the best served interest of the city of Lawrence as well as ensure a worthy and enduring legacy for the parks recreation system and the individual that made the lasting contributions. So the question I would throw out, would you consider naming another pickleball court, say over at Fort Pavilion Lawrence, where it would be a win-win or it doesn't have to be a Lions? Well, the Lions courts are purpose-built pickleball courts now. They're marked, painted, the proper size nets and everything. There's some outdoor courts marked on the tennis courts at SPL already, but they're just Market and it's still a tennis net, and you know, you can, you can play both on there. But then the tennis players complain that there's too many lines on the court. The other courts at SPL are all indoor, um, the basketball and volleyball courts, with all their markings and the soccer markings and everything else. So it's, it's yeah, just like playing like spaghetti there. But, yeah. um, um, so these are really the only yeah. purpose built ones at the moment. And the city did a great job of fixing them up. Yeah, this is Marilyn Hall, a board member. I would like to move uh, approval of the naming of the Lions Park Pickleball Courts in honor of Evan Jorn. Jorn, Jorn, I'm sorry, I did that too. This is John and Albany, and I'll second the motion. All right, uh, Jackie Becker, Chair. We now have a motion and a second to name the court the pickleball court after Evan Jorn. So I would say it's a recommendation of recommendation because then it is the director's at the director's discretion. So it's more of a recommendation of the board to name. Yeah, yeah I modify <laughs> to be I move that the board recommends naming. Da, da, da. All right, so with that edit, uh, we now have a move, a motion and a second to recommend to the Parks and Rec Chair to name Pickleball Fields after Evan Jorn. I am looking for a vote now, so all board members, please vote. Raising your hand for yes or nay for nay. Andrea. Andrea. You can use the computer raise hand feature too if you have screen problems. Andrea, are you able to hear us right now? Hello? Yeah, I can hear. Sorry. Okay. So we just had a motion that we're voting on it for the recommendation, and I'm looking for a yay or nay from you. Yay. I apologize. All right. So that appears to be all yay, and the recommendation passes. Thank you, everyone, for showing up and your support for a sport that you're absolutely passionate about. We still want to work with you on raising money and yeah. all the details. So let's get back. If you assume, if you write, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
we go forward and we'll get back with you. Yeah. Right. Thank you, everybody, for coming up. Thank you. Thank you all so much. It's a secret. It's a secret. And you know what? I think that's a public meeting, just so you know. Yes, public meeting. You're kind of muffled, so you're going to speak up a little more. Okay. Let's see if I can do this. Hopefully, Jack, you'll be able to hear you. So much better. Thank you. <laughs> I find myself like leaning into my computer. I'm like, I can't hear you. <laughs> Sorry. Totally all right. And it was lovely. I didn't see your note. I apologize. Oh, it's all good. I can hear him now. So, um, all right. So now we're moving on to agenda item number two, which is the 2022 Capital Improvement Program Projects. Okay. Get my capital improvement hat on. Uh, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Uh, 2022 Capital Improvement Projects. Uh, Mr. Mike Wilgen touched a little bit about Lions Park Splash Pad. Um, it's about $200,000 over budget. We had budgeted for approximately $400,000. Mark can fill me in or fill us in at the, at the end if I miss anything in the pennies. It's still to be bid. Um, so the question is, how do we come up with additional $200,000 to build the 2023 Splash Pad, which will be starting in 2022? So then we talk about the water tower park improvements. We had set aside $125,000 in 2022 to provide amenities in the water tower park when the water tower comes down. Water tower is not scheduled to be completed till spring of 2024, and that's provided parts arrive and everything else. So the $125,000 that was planned for water tower park would go unused. We had a public meeting with West Hill Neighborhood Association and Hillcrest Neighborhood Association, and I don't know if they and the residents that came out to uh, talk about this at a public forum at the Water Tower Park and what our thoughts were to uh, use the $125,000 and get their feedback for the splash pad at Lions Park. And then we will use some of our existing funds within budget of Parks and Recreation to make up the 200,000 total. That's the plan. That leaves us without, that means that we need the plan to do a public engagement with the neighborhoods around Water Tower Park this fall, the proposed time we're looking at in November and so that's the draw circle. You send a letter out, you reach out not only to the neighbors, but you reach out to the people living in the apartments, you reach out to the presidents of the fraternities and sororities, let them know there's a public meeting and what should those amenities be. We get the capital improvement designed in 2023 to be submitted with the 2023 budget and for 2024. I believe in talking with Planning Development Services the commission approved amenities for at least $125,000. So there is a time more so than scoring. But in talking with the neighbors at the meeting, and we do this with other neighborhood associations when we go into a park, they're interested in doing fundraising to add to the amenity. Um, KU 804 Studios said, hey, one of the individuals that lives in the neighborhood works for that and says, we would like to be involved. Um, so we're getting the head nods there. So we're getting multiple wins. And then could you bring in potentially Evergy or somebody else 
So they they could at the end of the day get a really cool project and it should score better even in the CIP by this synergy. Um, now one of the questions to me was, is that fair to other neighborhoods? And I say yes, because we offer it up to other neighborhoods, just that at the end of the day, we the intentions haven't been met by action, that they say they're gonna fundraise and then that eh, doesn't happen. I have the feeling that these two neighborhood associations residents will come through and actually help with whatever those amenities are. So looking forward to a public engagement on that. Mark, did I miss anything or Roger who uh, comments you'd like that on the CIPs? No, the only comment is um, next Tuesday's commission agenda would place us on the commission agenda to basically move the money from Water Tower Park over to Lions Park and also allocate another $75,000 of our 216 operating budget. So that $200,000 that we anticipate will be needed for the the $600,000 spray park. I can show you some pictures if you're interested. Uh, this is John Nalbandian. How does, how does the splash, the splash pad at Lions Park physically, how does it compare to the one in the Summers? Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, Derek Roger, Director of Parks and Recreation. I want to say it's about 500 square feet more oh. than one that was built at Burroughs Creek. Uh, features, I believe, more. The seating is rock around it. So there's been some many improvements. And Mark, do you want to talk to the picture? Yeah, so this is the concept design. Are you seeing the, the picture there? So spray park here, shelter stays basically where it's at. This is the existing parking lot. Uh, playground is also scheduled to be done this fall. So. Those are the things that we're working on now. Um, to give you a little better idea, let's see if I can flip. Oops. The fancy picture now. No. Yes. No. No. I vote no as well. <laughs> <laughs> How about now? It is. Yes. Okay, so that's a concept drawing of what we may be looking at for that spray, spray park. And this is one vendor, so we have two or three different vendors we'll be bidding it to. But it's going to be a, a little bit more substantial than the one we did over in East Lawrence. Uh, I think we all learned a little bit from East Lawrence that that one's maybe a little bit small, especially when we get crowded. So the concept on this was to spread out spray features a little bit more and give us a little better footprint. The, the East Lawrence uh, splash pad, John Abandon, East Lawrence splash pad has that enclosed area for, what is it? Mechanicals, the yeah, yeah. to the water. But I didn't see any in the, I didn't see any facility like that in the drawing. Is it behind a brick wall, essentially? Yeah. yeah. Can you see this? Oh, over there. Yeah, so the mechanical systems will be basically the same as what we have in East Lawrence. So it's a, a large pump slash coronation pit, then a, a water holding pit, and then a drain pit. Honestly, this is where a lot of the money is, and it's behind a fence and you can't even see it. But that coronation system, so it's coronation and a UV system sits behind that fence. 
That's what allows the um, the spray features to cycle on and off. So it's all computerized system. So when you hit the button, you get different events based on you know the timing we have on those uh, computerized spray nozzles. Jackie Becker, chair. Uh, where is the restroom then? Is does does the restroom remain where it's in their original place where they're at at Lions right now, or are those being moved? No, same spot. So here's the restroom right up here. Okay. Tennis courts and, and or basketball courts and pickleball are over that way. So it basically sits right now. The playground's right here, where the spray park is. So we're bringing the playground a little closer to the parking lot and putting the spray park towards the back. And the thinking on that is, you know, in the winter time, more people will be coming to the playground and the splash pad, so it pushes back. Yeah, good point. Hey, Mark, this is John Blazik, committee member. Parking all squared away for everybody? Yeah, we think we have enough parking here. Um, we may get a little too much traffic if we have a, a large number of pickleball players. We also have to the north, we have the big parking lot that's for softball. So there's parking, plenty of parking in the park. You may have to walk a little further than you wanted to. But How about I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think on a normal day, you know, pickleball tends to come a little more in the morning. Splash pad will come more afternoon. Uh, softball will be more evening. So I think ebb and flow, of the, the traffic in the park will work. We'll have to see. There's plenty up there on the north end that never gets filled. So. How about for ADA people? Yeah, so we've, we've drawn in co-compliant ADA, so we can do those two. If we find that that's not enough, we can do another two here. So yeah, okay. we're, we're set for ADA. Thank you. This is Marilyn Hall, board member. This is a go to the budget change question, but just having used the facility in East Lawrence, um, shady areas for um, parents and caregivers um, will be super appreciated. I, I, it looks like there's some seating under this existing mature, mature tree. The other, that's not clear that that's going to be shaded. Um, the rest of those benches or whatever they are, concrete or anything. And I just say, if as you move forward in the design, to keep in mind that. Um, the adults would really appreciate a shade because it's like so hot out there. And benches, the benches and, and shade. Yeah, Mark, I think that when we designed this one, we were a little smarter than the first one. So that's why we kind of pushed this back into the trees a little bit. Originally, the splash pad was out here, which I think we would have the same problem from afternoon through the evening. So assuming we can keep the mature trees alive and some of them are ash trees, so they aren't in great health. But either way, I think we provide shade features. We've talked about the one over in East Lawrence, perhaps going in with some type of umbrella structures or something on that west side to get a little shade for the seating there. But it is a little glaring out there during the day. It does motivate the adults to get into the splash. I'll say that. <laughs> Just for other reference, let me show you this. So are you seeing the playgrounds? So we currently have the playground concepts out. So we bid a couple of companies. So this is one of the concepts from game time. 
And then there's another concept from AFCO. So what we've done is we've taken these concepts that we've received bids on that we know are within our budget. And then we're taking those to the North Lawrence Neighborhood Association, asking them their opinion. It honestly, it doesn't matter a lot to us because we basically put together a bid package that said, give, me, give us your best shot for less than $100,000. So all the companies kind of came back with their own. Can you show us the drawing 3D JPEG? It's not showing up. It's behind the other one on our screen. This so one? Get, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. So that's from AFCO. Can you see that one now? Yeah. We're cutting in. Correct. Yeah. So those are two of the two, in my mind, a better concept. So we have a couple others that we weren't really excited about. But we'll see what the neighborhood thinks. And yeah, it's we can work with them if they think this one's a lot better than the other one we'll go that direction Great. jackie becker chair uh will there be ada accessibility between the playgrounds and the water park so kids can successfully go between the two yes everything we're doing in that park is accessible so all the sidewalk connectivity to the bathroom to the spray park to the even the playground itself has ADA access features. So this, honestly, this one's pretty easy because North Lawrence is so flat. <laughs> There's not a lot of hills to climb over there. But yeah, anything we're doing new has, has ADA in mind. Jackie Becker, Chair. Also, what about bike parking? Since we're adding so many amenities, will something like that be available at that section of the park? You know, that's a good concept. I think we had added a few bikes right there in the corner of the parking lot. Now, will that be enough? I'm not sure. If not, we can go further along that north side of the parking lot. Jackie Becker, Chair. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I, I feel like with this being such a neighborhood space, we might see a lot of kids biking there too. So maybe thinking ahead for how busy this park could become, let's make sure there's plenty of parking for bikes. And the future, 2024, we're scheduled to replace that shelter. So as we're doing this funding swap, we may have to talk about, does the water tower park money get pushed in front of that shelter replacement, or does that get rearranged if there's no financing available for additional, you know, because basically we're saying we have to get 125,000 to water tower park in 24. So that might be a potential project swap. We'll see when we get there. So a lot of this is informational. Like I said, it'll be going to the city commission for approval. And we think we've done enough homework ahead of time that the water tower park folks neighborhood won't be up in arms that we're taking their money and moving it elsewhere. Thanks, Mark. Any additional comments from board members? Questions? All right, not hearing any more. I, I think that's really exciting to see how neighborhoods can work together and make some trades. And, you know, hopefully that leads to something bigger and better for Water Tower also and gets Lions the brand new splash pad. Thanks, Mark. All right, so moving on to 
Number three on the agenda, the passing of Tom Wilkerson, our former Assistant Director of Lawrence Parks and Rec. Hi, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Uh, Tom Wilkerson passed away. He was 76 years old. He was our previous uh, Assistant Director for Lawrence Parks and Recreation Department. Tom served in the uh, for the city and in Parks and Rec for 18 and a half years and Assistant Director for um, Fred DeVictor since 1989. Uh, Tom was instrumental on many large capital improvement projects in the Parks and Recreation uh, Department to include the Indoor Aquatic Center, uh, which is phenomenal and probably the biggest um, project we had, in my opinion today, at least the, the one of the coolest. I came to Lawrence in 73. Um, he was as the Director of uh, Recreational Services at the University of Kansas. During his tenure at KU, he was a member of the design team for Robinson Center, was responsible for equipping the facility, and became an assistant professor and taught classes in recreation administration. Uh, Wilkerson believed that the passage of the sales tax in 94 in support of parks and recreation was not only a great achievement, but also a reflection of the community's commitment to the first class city, being a first class city. It showed that this community sees the importance in having programs that are respected across the state. The community has always emphasized the importance of how parks and recreation areas help the economy and are a reflection of this community. It's really a community attitude, which is assisting the development of the parks and recreation services we have today. Um, I think that he, he was very visionary and did some awesome things for uh, parks and recreation. Uh, he was loved by many. There was a great tribute at the Sardar Gallery to uh, to his legacy and everything he did and from his family. Um, the previous director, Ernie Shaw, had some great comments, and uh, it was uh, for something that is um, demoralizing. Was very upbeat and a great send off and tribute there, uh, Tom Wilkerson. So, um, Roger or Mark, anything you would like to add? Well, for me, um, Robert Steinbrock, Communications and Events, I came in uh, August of 2002, so I'm passing 20 years up. Um, he retired in October of 20, uh, 2002. Uh, he had, I, he was going to be, he was my supervisor when I took the job, and for some reason, I never met him during my interview, and I remember saying to myself, what an idiot you are. You didn't even meet the person that's going to be supervising you. And a week after I had started, he came into my office and said, well, I'm going to be retiring in October. And so that, you know, it, it was kind of funny because I had just come from someplace that I had three other retirements of, of supervisors. And I'm thinking, this must be me that's causing these people to retire. But, but you know, I got to know him after the, the time period of him retiring and, you know, he did a lot of other things in our community. He was on the uh, Boys and Girls Board and also was a Mason. I know that that's a big part of his life uh, that continued, you know, clear up until he was a secretary and treasurer and actually recruited other people uh, to become Masons as well. And their, their focus is on youth and community. And I know that he raised a lot of funds um, and and as, as Derek mentioned, the 90, uh, 94 sales tax or 96, which is a 94. 94. 
I get confused. I apologize. I had a 96 sales tax in my hometown where I was, so I always get these two confused with the dates. But the 94 sales tax, he actually was a lot of the budget side of things, and so he orchestrated a lot of the management of those projects. I mean, in terms of the budget side of things, we had project managers, from what I understand, of the different projects. But he was the person that kind of oversaw the budget for the department. Um, and I've heard stories of just how he handled the budget. Um, so I, I think he really did a lot for the community with the funds that were there and made sure how to stretch the dollar as far as he could. Um, and I know that Marilyn, I think you may have been the one that posted online with, I had done a, re, uh, when he retired, I wrote a, a, a press release or a news release, I guess we didn't really press it anywhere, uh, but uh, the news release kind of spoke to the trail system. And, you know, and that was kind of Fred's thing too, in terms of the visioning uh, that was, was part of Parks and Recreation. Um, and to me, it was more of the envy across the state, being somebody that was away from, from Lawrence and not really connected with recreation, but had my hand in it from when I was in high school. and having my directors, Steve Snyder and Salina, contacting Fred DeVictor and Lawrence. And, and Lawrence was seen as this community that really cared about health and wellness. And I, I, I actually experienced that when I came 20 years ago. I have continued to see it grow today. And I just applaud this community for not only funding us, but having the foresight to, to look at the health and wellness of its community to, to help them, you know, help themselves, you know, having the recreation facilities open uh, to the public for free of charge and just having the amount of green space and trail system. To me, that you plot, you plot the community, but it also takes leaders like Fred and Tom to really steer that, that money and get it into the right direction. So I know I've spoke too long and Mark, you may have some other things to say, but he was a tremendous individual for our department and did things the right way. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I worked with Tom for about five years before he retired. So he was a good guy, had some good vision and, and really pushed that sales tax through that kind of dedicated a lot of the funding that we have on some of our major projects. So good guy, it's gonna be missed. And I would also say that he did in, uh, he is uh, one of the places that people can present memorials is to the We Folk Scholarship Fund. To date, we've had about $1,200 come in that will help uh, supply youth with scholarships um, in the future, so. Thank you both for sharing all of that wonderful information about the work that Tom did all these years for our community. It's really, you know, younger people, we don't know often where it all came from and to kind of hear where some of these things started 20 years ago. That's really exciting to learn about. So thank you, uh, Tom. Jackie Roger Steinbrock, Communications and Events. One of the things you talk about too, I would be remiss if I didn't mention a couple of things after he left or retired. Uh, we did name the Tom Wilkerson Room at the Aquatic Center in his honor. And then we also had a teamwork award that we had 
given out uh, to employees and we expanded it to part-time employees and to community partners um, in the future years after that. But we renamed the, it the Tom Wilkerson Teamwork Award because he was very much about teamwork. Um, and during COVID, it's kind of been slipped away, but I know Derek and I have talked about revitalizing that and, and making his memory live on within the department again uh, with the Teamwork Award because it does take teamwork uh, both in our department with the community support as well as our other departments as well. Um, so I think that would be a great tribute to reestablish re that, that award. Uh, that we give out annually as well. Um, yeah. And I also, KRPA, he was a, he did receive some awards, and I know that Fred and Ernie have been discussing and talking with me to, to maybe do a nomination for him to the Hall of Fame for the Kansas Recreation and Parks Association. So we need to get some paperwork and some things written by October. Uh, to get him in for next year. So we're hoping to get that accomplished. Thank you if for sharing that. And these, these seem like some agenda items in the coming months to make sure that you're following through with these because they definitely are important ones to have. I think it's, it's important to carry on that legacy. So thank you both. Any comments or questions from the rest of the board? All right, well, that moves us into E, the concerns and board member items of interest. If anyone has anything to chat about, please share. This is Marilyn Hall, board member. I actually have a few different things. My first is a question about the user fees that are being contemplated for the next calendar year. Um, I'm curious to know if staff is working on a proposal for those, and if so, if the advisory board would have an opportunity to weigh in and discuss the proposal um, before it goes to whoever the city commissioner, whoever would eventually approve it. And Derek Roger, Director of Parks Recreation. The policy for the fees is based on the cost recovery pyramid, which was approved by the advisory board and the city commission. So those are the guidelines that we are using to set the fees. So if we wanted to change the fees, let's say um, Perry Park Nature Center needs to return 25%, that would have to be an initiative. Let's change our policy on the cost recovery pyramid and then take that to the city commission. But based on that, the, the rec staff and the park staff are still working on fees. Um, don't want to take too much away from recreation. I'll talk about it here shortly. Some of the fee increases will probably occur this year, and some of them will be next year. They kind of spread the spread that out. This That's, year for you means 2023? Just and adjusting some fees. We adjust fees all the time, but you're going to see some of the fees adjust earlier than that, probably October, November, and I'll let Lindsay get to that. Okay. I understand what you're saying about they're, they're covered under an existing policy. I do think um, if part of the discussion is initiating fees into our indoor recreation centers, that's something that the public um, has demonstrated a lot of interest in. 
Um, and I want to just make sure that that is that conversation is public and well aired. Absolutely, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation, to meet the goals set forth that we discussed with the City Commission, the Commission approved budget. We look at cost recovery fees and cutting costs, expenses first, sponsorship second. The very last thing that I would consider would be membership fees or fees for entry. And if that, if we get to that level, then absolutely that will be a board thing. I think the community has represented many times, and I've got emails to that extent too. That as much as possible, I'd like to keep the culture and tradition of our parks and rec system as, as it stands. Um, and I think I'm on, maybe I'm too optimistic, but I think we can meet our goals with the fees piece and not have to go down the road of, of, of memberships. So. Okay, thank you. My second question is about the um, proposed sanctioned homeless camp or camp for people experiencing homelessness. If that um, comes to be, Will that be, will there be any effort made to move people from other existing parks and public spaces to that camp or how's that going to work? Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. We have the, the Homeless Initiatives Division and we have Parks and Recreation. We're on the same team. That is my understanding that we have a designated space then we can move folks to say, you can't stay here. This is an incompatible use. It's too close to the public, the friction, but we do have a sanctioned place over here. So being in our parks in excess of, let's say, park hours, still isn't allowed, hasn't been allowed. There may be areas where as a parks recreation director, I don't, uh, push it because it's not a factor. It may be so remote in a wooded area or a, a place that's not getting friction with the neighbors or causing other problems. And there may be places all of a sudden, uh, Watson Park, Constant Park, Robinson Park, that it is an incompatible use. The parks are meant for the non-exclusive use by all and not the exclusive use by one user group. We do have the exclusive use of shelters with a reservation. That is, is a caveat. So it, it's trying to keep a balance. And from a, my perspective, I'm trying to get us back to a balance we were at maybe two or three years ago. Homeless have been part of our community probably for over 100 years. And so it's just, uh, we're hitting a tough economic time. I think we're seeing more people that are homeless, not only in Lawrence, but everywhere. So um, that's our thought. I know the homeless division's looking at the winter shelter program in the community building December 1st to March 12th or something in there. Um, we continue to work. I continue to work with the homeless division and um, it seems like there's not too many days go by that we're talking about um, either issues or, or what they're proposing, so. And just related to the same general issue, is there a way for park patrons to to report um, individuals in parks who are behaving erratically? If it's a, a safety, if it's a safety issue, or if they're 
behaving erratically and they feel threatened or safety, call dispatcher 911. That is always the, the first choice. If, if you don't feel safe or secure or something erratic. If it's this individual is acting odd, but not really as I don't feel my a threat of safety. Um, there are numbers that after hours can call. So on a park shelter, we have an hours if you have an issue or you maybe had a reservation and you're coming to your reservation or shelter and it's like this individual won't leave or these individuals. And so that becomes a dispute. When you reserve a reservation, there's a number you can call and that gets parks rec involved and then they can pick up the next level. Hey, I need to call police or fire or get somebody some help, or maybe it's a hospital. Um, Roger, what, do you have any thoughts about an email? Are you saying just erratic, but not a safety issue in a park? I've had a couple experiences lately. One um, where a gentleman was shouting profanity at me when I was with a couple young children. Uh, the other, I was with young children again, and an individual appeared to be um, under the influence of some substance was not making direct threats, but um, um, it, felt, it felt like a questionable situation to me. And I wasn't sure, you know, other than just we're leaving, I wasn't sure if there's anything I could or what I should do. In that situation, I'd call dispatch. And because it, it doesn't sound like I can leave, but this may or may not be a safety issue for another person walking through the park. We were safe, but I just want to make make the community aware and it'd be out there on Facebook and please scanner and right. Roger Cyber Communications and events. Uh we also have folks that email the Parks Rec email, Parks Recreation email. And there is the homeless division now that's actually I think that's brand new. So we're we're trying to figure that out and how that all works together. And so those things come in to me um, and I, I forward them immediately as soon as I get those to folks. So that if there is something that's immediate need, like he said, call 911 and get, get the, or the, the off, the, just the police number. Yeah. You did bring up a great question. I'll, I'll ask them to see if they won't set up a generic email. It might just be something, hey, or, or a phone number. You know, something's not right here. Maybe, maybe that would be a first. Yeah, and I think that's that's why we're still setting it up. So I think these are great, great points to bring out to, to make us think and figure out how we can help the community, all, everybody in the community. So. Thank you. That would be appreciated. I mean, I... I don't just want to dial 911 every time somebody yeah. looks like they're under the influence, but um, it, it, it would be, I guess it'd be helpful to me as a patron to sort of know, all right, what, you know, if this seems like a slightly unsafe or questionable situation, what's the best and most compassionate way to deal with it? Right. You know, I think John Nalbandian, uh, board member, I think that our impression of 911 like is an emergency number. I've been an analysis of 911 calls would probably not necessarily bear that out. Um, yeah, PD dispatch, I that's usually when I call. I see a, a street light out, I see a trim down, a tree down, I call dispatch and then they work that after hours. Let me give you that dispatch number. meaning 911? No, 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 no. They they have a non-emergency line. 
Uh, yeah, it's 785-832-7509. We get you the Lawrence Police Dispatch. Uh, you know, I saw something that just doesn't look right. I saw an individual at a park looking in car windows. I don't, maybe they lock their keys in their car. Maybe I'm not sure, but it at least brings the awareness that, hey, let's go see what's going on in the parking lot. Can you repeat that number? 832-7509. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Jerry, oh, John, go, go ahead, Jackie. Uh, so I was just curious with that phone number, is that available at most of the parks when you enter with information or could we add a QR code or something that has that information out there so it's not going to 911 and we, we know that there's better ways and that we could use a, a different number to hopefully, you know, discuss or notice things that might be happening at a park? Um, uh, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks. We have, I'll let Mark answer that, see what his thoughts are. I think that's something we need to check with the police department and see what they would prefer on handling non-emergency issues, whether they prefer us called directly in the dispatch or how they would like us to handle that. And Jackie, that may be something that I can get out of uh, the Homeless Initiatives Division. Maybe they have a phone number and they would be a first touch would be a better idea. Yeah, Maryland Health Board Member, I, I would like it if there was an option like that. If there's an outreach worker or somebody who can come out, it's a little less threatening than a police car pulling up. Um, but that has some training and know how to, you know, yeah, de-escalate. De-escalate, that's the word I was looking for. Jackie Becker, Chair. Yeah, Derek, that would be excellent. Thanks for checking on that. That's the direction I was going is something other other than calling 911 so we can get the right kind of what, what's being needed at that moment. Jackie, we're under time on communications and events. Um, I'm going to put that up as a follow-up for next, next month's meeting just to let you know ahead of time. Jackie, I'm doing <laughs> Sorry, John. No, that's okay. Jackie, John Blasek, is that a cat or a dog on your shoulder? <laughs> this is my cat, Toasty, and uh, he's just being a little troublesome. He seems to know it's his four-year anniversary of being adopted by me, so he just happens to be 14 pounds. So I've got a very strong left arm right now. <laughs> Thanks, John. I have a question, Barry. Um, can you give the community members that are listening any update or anything that'll be on the uh, notes? What what's the parks and rec? What are you looking at to try to offset some of your 1.3 million dollar deficit before you raise everything 30 percent? So what we went to the city commission with in the budget was a 30 percent increase. The overall the programs the divisions are responsible. I'm accountable. But that gives a lot of flexibility to all the programs and supervisors to how they go about that. Can they reduce their costs? Can they reduce their expenditures? Can they reduce part-time staff lines? Do they adjust their prices? So that is going to come from the people that are working in the field. So Prairie Park Nature Center, um, again, I don't want to steal recreations thunder. 
but they will look at how they can best come about that. You know, do they do fundraisers? Do they look at different events? So I'm going to leave that up to them and, and not direct one way or another how they get there. Okay. Hey, thanks. That's a good idea. It's site-based management. Thank you. Thanks. Any other additional board concerns, items of interest from other board members? All right, not seeing or hearing any more. Uh, time to move on to our reports in the other section. Uh, so number one is communications and special events update. With Roger. You know, I'm looking at the looking at the agenda. I know I put direct report on here at 5:30 in the morning on Saturday morning when I was putting this together, and somehow it's not on there. So I apologize again for the second month in a row. I'm back. I will make sure that it's on there next month. Um, so Jackie, this uh, call to you, number four, will be the director's report that's not listed on the agenda again. Um, for communications and events uh, this month. I want to, first of all, um, highlight and thank Dwayne Peterson for his work in special events for the many years that he's been with us uh, within the department. Um, since the, the new divisions kind of been uh, formed and he was doing community or special events and then also uh, working as facility operations, he had a lot on his plate and some staff had been resourced out that he had had underneath him as well. So he was getting stretched pretty thin and he just served um, the uh, Fall Arts and Crafts Festival that was held on Sunday was one of his final events, so to speak. I mean, I'm sure he'll still help us as much as he can with things, but I just wanted to highlight his many years of, of service and special events. Uh, organizing the, the city band program, the, the summer uh, brown bag concert, a lot of community events that were free, pretty much. The egg hunts in the park, um, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of work that went on behind the scenes that he did and probably didn't get a lot of recognition for. So I just wanted to thank him uh, for his assistance with the special events in the community for the years that he's and he's been here a lot longer than I have. So I know it's been a long time for him and uh, and hopefully he will now be able to focus on the facilities a little bit more and, and give them the love and attention that I know that he's brought to all the things that he's done. Um, with that, um, we are holding a bike rodeo on Helmet Fair uh, next Saturday, this coming Saturday, September 17th from 9 and 11 at East Lawrence Recreation Center. We're teaming up with the fire department, the police department to issue helmets, bike helmets. We had looked at also doing skate helmets too. Uh, they're a little pricey. So what we're gonna do is in the spring, uh, have an event specific to skateboarding and probably pair up with our open house that we had and kind of and help develop that. We're also looking at, at reigniting the safety fair that's been kind of thrown around within the city. Uh, over the years in uh, August, right before school starts. So we're going to start that planning in January to get things moving there. Um, as we mentioned, we had public engagement on August 24th with the neighborhood, the Water Tower Park neighborhoods, I should say. And we're looking at having public engagement in October 
with uh, like Derek said, we're going to pull addresses and kind of get that meeting set up um, in in mid to late October uh, to get things started, and then have meetings following that um, into the new year prior to the CIP, so we can kind of develop the plan a little more before it goes before the CIP program. Um, and then Hannah, Hannah Ballard, she has been hired by the city uh, to do public engagement, and that's at the city level. She works for Porter, and so she'll be assisting us in our public uh, engagement with the community uh, going forward. Um, in terms of right away approved events or things that are being worked on, currently uh, coming up, as I said, the Fall Arts and Crafts Festival, we blocked the street, Old West Lawrence neighborhood block party was this last weekend. Downtown Lawrence blocks some streets area for the sidewalk sale, and they also have to get permits for that because it's in the right of way. The Free State Homecoming Parade was on the 9th. Lawrence Heights Homecoming Parade is the 21st. Tenants and homeowners are having a battle of the builders on the 24th. 24th and 25th, it's Art in the Park, and they'll be blocking off Mass here. Live on Mass, a homecoming concert will be the 30th of September. Um, Mike uh, Logan's working with KU on that and gonna have that free concert on the 30th. Uh, October 1st, we have the Rev It Up Hot Rod Hullabaloo Street Fest where he blocks Massachusetts Street and has a huge amount of cars coming in that people can look at. And then, uh, then the next day is the sustainability fair, which the city's co-sponsoring with the folks uh, that the Sustainability Action Network, Mike Allman and his group, and then um, Edmund Stansberry as well of working on that. And they'll have the electric bus and they'll have some electric cars that people can look at. He used to team up with the Hot Rod Hullabaloo and they, you know, when you have these engines revving and then you have the electric cars, they just didn't mix. So he's gonna go with the city stuff. And then we have uh, the Van Gogh dinner on the curb coming up, Belgian waffle ride in October, uh, the Jayhawk Jamboree down in, in uh, uh, Merchant Park in November, the Kansas Health Marathons in November, uh, and then the, the Veterans Day Parade, which we haven't got the permit for, or we haven't got the application for, but there's also a KU Veterans Day 5K run that's going on that same weekend at KU. The Thanksgiving 5K is in as well. So there's lots of activities. I'm, I know there's the Holly or the downtown holiday uh, horse parade as well that will be coming up as well. I haven't discussed some of these things, but there's some things that are cyclical, but we're always working with folks. We've got some other neighborhoods that are doing um, uh, block parties as well, and we encourage that as much as possible. My folks are getting trained and, and we're still moving along and trying to move the football down the, the yard a little bit. I will tell you that our social engagement, um, I was looking at the numbers today and we are up about 15% and that's like 34,000 um, engagements, which doesn't mean that they're clicks, but the click-throughs are actually up as well. So it, we're starting, we're seeing even more um, presence with our stuff out there on social media as well. So that's my report. Any questions or comments for Roger? 
Roger, the only thing I was going to ask, what time does the uh, helmet fair start this Saturday? Yeah, it's from 9 to 11. Sorry. One other thing, we are going to be at the hospitals. They have a health fair on Saturday from 7.30 a.m. to 10.30. I'll be there, and my, and then uh, Abby's going to be holding down for it at the helmet fair. So, Really excited to see so many of these things returning again. So, yeah. Thank you for that update. All right, moving on to number two, it'll be uh, Recreation Facility Operations with uh, Lindsay Hart. Okay, Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Uh, I wanna just echo what Roger said about the Arts and Crafts Festival this past Sunday. It was a great event. Uh, I just really wanna thank Dwayne and his staff as well as our park staff for uh, just a great event. It was a beautiful day, a beautiful park. We had a great turnout. And so I know everybody was really pleased and, and it was a, a great success. So that went really well. Um, we're also starting most of our fall programming this month. Um, so here over the next few weeks, um, our fall programming is up and running. And um, as we've been talking about, uh, our, the big thing on our, our plate right now is working on fee adjustments. Uh, I've been working closely with staff and all the different program areas. And um, we're working together to um, check the market rates. You know, we, we definitely want to keep fees reasonable. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking at these user fees and making adjustments where we feel it's appropriate um, to help us, you know, achieve our, our revenue goal for next year. But we do plan on uh, putting uh, some new fees into effect um, in October and November. So it will be uh, over the next few months and not necessarily waiting until January 1st. Um, but again, we're, we're still tweaking the details and, and kind of getting final numbers put together and, uh, and we'll be giving those to Derek for final approval uh, to roll out over the next few months. And I'll be working with Roger to get uh, some news releases out, uh, making sure our patrons are aware and have a heads up before those go into effect. And we'll make sure we have signage at our facilities and things like that. But it will include um, our, you know, parks and shelter rentals, facility rentals, golf cemeteries, um, or, you know, we're also working with the individual program areas. Um, and in addition, uh, we're obviously working very closely with Prairie Park Nature Center. They're going to be making some changes to, uh, you know, make, uh, make the facility and their programming more sustainable. And um, on that note, we are having an open house for the Prairie Park Nature Center on Saturday, September 24th. That's going to be from 2 to 4 p.m. And again, uh, we'll be getting some uh, marketing out for that soon uh, to share with the public. But we want to invite neighbors, supporters, you know, the community uh, and give everybody a chance to give some feedback. We want to, you know, talk with the group and um, especially since we had such great support that came out to the city commission meeting through the budget process. Uh, we want to talk to them a little more in depth about, you know, how they can continue to support us in ways that, again, we can can make that facility more sustainable. And that is all I had. Any questions or comments from the board or Lindsay? Uh, Lindsay, my only question is for this open house, is there artwork for it or something that you can share with our board so us as board members could share it out also? I'll defer to Roger on that. I think they're going to be putting something together. I'm not sure if we have an actual flyer or what that's going to look like. Yeah, Roger Steinbrock, uh, Communications and Events. I just needed more information. I know we had initially set that, that date and time, but I wanted to make sure some of the particulars 
with folks. So we'll, we'll we will I was just texting you, Lindsay, to get me the information tomorrow, and we'll get that out as soon as possible. I'll get staff put on that right away because that is something that needed to be out yesterday rather than tomorrow. <laughs> so. Yeah, that would be be great to have some info. I obviously I'm pretty right. good at putting information out too, so I'd love to be able to share some of that. I think the more engagement we can have with the Prairie Park Nature Center. Hopefully, the yeah, less of that budget deficit we will have, you know? <laughs> and, and we, will, we will put it out on social several times and try to get the word out that way as well as by the release and with the media as well. Maryland Hall board member is, um, will the open house just be an open house to just try to get people to stop by or is there going to be some attempt to engage people in conversation about the um, sustainability of the facility. Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Uh, yes, we do. Um, we want it to be an open house format where people can come and go through the time frame. We'll have refreshments and things like that. But we do plan to work with Roger's team to put together some questions and have some surveys. And so we do want it to be interactive and we do want to gather feedback and thoughts. And so again, as Roger mentioned, we, we need to nail down some of the details um, yet to come. But I would uh, you know, like to throw out there if any of our board members would like to come help. I know, Marilyn, you have mentioned in the past um, that you might be interested. We would love your help that day and um, we can follow up with, with more details. Or again, if you just want to let me know uh, if anyone's interested in helping, um, the, the more the merrier. Roger's time, Roger, communication and events, Lindsay. I'll email the board tomorrow as well and get the particulars once I get all that from you. Kind of give them the framework and then see if you're interested. You can respond back to me and then we'll get you plugged in. And then we'll send you the collateral as soon as we get that stuff ready to go as well. I would love to see the invitations um, include something like, um, we need your input. So that it's clear to potential attendees that it's not just the it's not just a cookies and punch deal that you're actually seeking community thoughts and input on um, how they improve the center and make it more financially sustainable. Great. Jackie Beckard, sure. I think that's an excellent idea. Uh, and yeah, continue to share with us on the board and maybe some more of us can make it out that day. Uh, any other questions or comments for Lindsay? All right, hearing and seeing none. Uh, moving on to number three, Parks and Facilities Maintenance with Mark Hecker. Mark Hecker, Mark Hecker Assistant Director. Um, uh, hit on a few things, just the general maintenance of the parks is always interesting in September because we're kind of transitioning out of those summer months and getting into fall. So we'll be doing a lot of turf renovations. Um, our staffing tends to dwindle a little bit as we get out of the summer months, so we're pretty stretched. Uh, staff are working on a number of projects, both CIP level and then smaller projects that we want to finish up before winter. So CIP, we're still working on the splash pad over Alliance. We're still working on the playground Alliance. We're working on the Broken Arrow shelter renovation. Uh, we're working on the uh, Eagle Bend Golf Course pump station, which is the irrigation station we're replacing, hopefully by next spring. So, so those are some of the bigger ones, but I thought if we have just a minute here, I'll share with you the um, 
The city commission last Tuesday approved the 2023 budget on second reading. So we know now know what some of the CIP projects will be in 23 and through 27. Um, obviously, these can still change, but this is what's scheduled if you're seeing my chart here. So these are the 23 projects that are currently funded. So installing artificial turf out of YSC, upgrading some lights on baseball, softball, skate park improvements. To, this one's the best one, replacing the sewer lagoon liner. I think everybody's excited about that one. <laughs> uh, playground replacement, we're trying to do two a year, so we'll continue with that. This is parking lots and road improvements. We're trying to do a couple hundred thousand a year replacing one of our aerial bucket trucks on forestry. Then you see a whole list of Lawrence Loop projects. So some of those are new and some of them have been on there before. The first one here, the Great Separation of South Iowa is a new project. So either we'll go under the under Iowa or over Iowa, that process. Eighth to seventh is over, um, it's that little gap we have from Santa Fe over to Eighth Street. So that'll get filled in. Uh, this one's a little bit new. We had two projects proposed. So we had proposed a project from 7th Street to Constant Park, and then the Cobb River Commons Group had also proposed a project that covered the same ground. So we merged those projects. So two years worth of planning, then we're going to go for a larger $7 million grant at federal level. So that, that one's new. This one's been on for a while, Michigan Sanders Shaw, and then trail system markings. So 23 looks great. 24 is also tentatively approved, but you'll start getting into artificial turf on some of the other fields, uh, baseball, softball, infields. This is where we start picking up the outdoor aquatic center plans in 24. We start to build it down here in 25. So it's kind of exciting to see the projects that kind of made the cut. The ones down here in the gray are the ones that did not make the cut, but I tend to just look at the ones that that actually got funded. So, like I said, the biggest thing we are concerned about is the 23, at, because 24 through 27, we'll get another look or two as we go year to year at budget. But I'm I'm very happy with the amount of funding that was allocated to these projects. Uh, you can see if one here maybe that you know fell off the bottom was the the Westlar spray part. Um, that one I think we'll try to bring back by changing the project a little bit. But any questions on CIP or anything I could answer? This is uh, John Nelbandi, and I have an unrelated question um, about uh, uh, maintenance of uh, Oak Hill Cemetery. Uh, is it appropriate to talk about that now? Um, okay, so. Um, I know that there's uh, going to be a refurbishing of uh, the monuments and, and a review of that. And, um, Watkins Museum is involved in that, and, uh, Friends of the Oak Hill. Um, I was thinking, and, and part of that whole issue has to do with maintenance of the cemetery and maintenance of the and what I was thinking, which is, I think, our responsibility, right? But what I was thinking is, uh, it would really, I think, be kind of cool if those workers who are responsible for maintenance of the cemetery, if they actually had an opportunity 
to attend like a one or two hour seminar on the significance of the cemetery. So that it's not just, you know, mowing the lawn and doing this and that, but understanding uh, the significance of what they're doing. Just a suggestion. Yeah, Mark Hecker, assistant director, we're always open for suggestions like that. And I don't know who would specifically provide that training or the the uh, the technology we need. It, the cemeteries are very interesting to maintain, especially Oak Hill. If you ever go out, there's there's not a clear path to mow. You know, Memorial Park is a little bit right. easier than the upright stones, but Oak Hill is just a little bit of a mess to maintain. There's been you know ongoing conversation for years on. We went through a series of time where we were spraying around all the headstones to try yes. to keep the trim down. So we've kind of backed off of that. But if you, I was just out there today at lunch, and, you know, it, it's very obvious that we don't, one, have, we haven't been spraying, and two, we don't have the staff to trim. So, you know, I think we got to come somewhere in the middle. We had committed to the Friends of Oak Hill that it would be two sections we would manage without spraying. And we've been fairly successful there, but the sheer scope of that property is somewhat amazing when you figure you have to mow it every week, plus you have to trim it at least twice a month. So it's a challenge. Yeah, uh, well, uh, Friends of Oak Hill have merged uh, with the Watkins. Uh, and so Watkins would be the place to uh, to a contact, or I can have them contact you guys. The importance of Oak Hill. That'd be great. Okay. Any other questions or comments for Mark and his presentation? All right, we're adding number four uh, for Parks and Rec Chair, Derek Rogers. And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Um, everybody did a great job of covering things. And the only thing I think I'll expand on is the Lawrence Loop that we went back to the City Commission. There were two projects. One was the Car River Commons. They had design money to design from Amtrak Station, basically seventh in Jersey to Constant Park. And so that would be the water route. And then we also had money set aside to design the route across land. And so what we did is merge that. So we'd both be trying to solve with one design, concept design uh, architect, would be able to present multiple ways to get from A to B. And then that should a better stewardship of financial um, uh, resources but it should also mean that we can better compete for grants with the raise grants or federal grants instead of the federal grants like now well, you got a land route here that solves it in the water which does the city really want and we'll forget them but it will also look at the dollar cost so i think the Carl river commons is about 7.7 .7 million dollars the land route could be 1.5 million dollars overall so this design concept i think moves us in the right direction so I'd, once I finally was able to wrap my head around all these great brains in the city that are trying to move five steps ahead of me on, let's do this, this, and this, and this makes more sense. 
to get the 30,000 foot of what they're trying to do. I go, I get it. That sounds like a good plan. So, um, so the same firm will be asked to provide two alternatives. Is that what you're saying? To explore all alternatives. And so what I hear from some of the MSO engineers is they've exhausted a lot of the land routes, whether it be on the street or do they uh, do sidewalks or multi-use paths. And, but the water one's kind of interesting too. And by combining those, there wasn't enough money somehow left aside for the Carver River Commons design. There's like 13,000 and we had right. 262. So again, let's get some synergy of focus on how do we get get there, so. Yeah, uh, John Albany, a board member. Um, I wonder, like, which, what population would be more likely to use that use that route, and I'm thinking like if it's people in East Lawrence to get to you know get to the park, people in the park, whatever downtown, um, the elevation uh, would be really pretty important. I mean to make it easy for people to do that rather than you know you got to walk your bike up the trail. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation, said um, the sustainability network, Michael Allman, he's about purpose, and it's about traveling to businesses and using the loop for that. I'm more about the recreation of having a loop around Lawrence, and so I met a, a couple individuals, a man and his wife, and their dog, and I can't remember if they're traveling across the country, and he writes stories and there's competitions, and so I met him. He was looking for how do I get around the loop and where's a good place to start. And so we talked about the first place, if I was going to park and start, if I could park at Hobbs Park and start at 11th and Burroughs Creek, there's your ADA section. Yeah. Um, they were both my age or a little older and he's like, well, uh, my spouse may not be able to take the hills as well. So I go, well, this is a great one. Go out by the wetlands and do some of that versus if you started off at Monterey and Peterson, I'm going to start up a nice big neck way out. But it goes to the same question of how do you get from the Amtrak station to Costa Park? Yeah. Well, and why do you get why why? Because I know in the Friends of Trails, there was discussion about from a transportation perspective, a, a land route that maybe goes through downtown. <clears throat> And to the pool could really serve some kids like at East Lawrence that are trying to get to the pool. The water route better serves people who are the bike riders, right? Who are wanting to go around the city. Um, so part of the engagement and the design process, I think, should be who are we building this for? Yeah. Well, that's a good point because I would uh, John Albandian board member. Because my my fantasy is that the Lawrence Loop becomes a tourist attraction, and that bikers all over the country or the Midwest want to come to Lawrence because it's one of the few places where you can actually, you know, ride your bike around the whole city. We have, you know, races, and, you know. So. so to Marilyn's point, I like the idea of a spoker spurred. And that goes back to the waypoint signage, which I believe is on the funded list for 50,000 at Nodmark. Is that a yes in the CIP, the 50K? I thought I saw that still on there. What? 
weight weight finding oh yeah for 50 and that would be hey you start you might be on the loop but if i take that spoke or spur i'm going to go straight to the downtown pool or, or whatnot the other thing that i find interesting in my scope as i'm looking around where do our bike trails go my vision is about a half mile outside of city limits draw that around in a circle so when i go meet with the county the county just pushed my boundaries out two miles. So you take, take two miles from 6th Street and K-10. That puts you at Kennewalker Corner. So then draw a line down. Now you're going down to Clinton Lake. You got the Landon Trail. How do we connect to Topeka? So we really need to start getting our vision a lot bigger than, oh, how do we get around this neighborhood? Let's really be visionary. How do we connect to Topeka? How do we connect to Baldwin? The rails and trails. So now I got to take two miles south of the SLT by Baker Wetlands, look how far two miles gets me south in Douglas County. So that's what we really need to be looking. We're, we're jumping way past the Wakarusa Valley. We're getting out there. Now, granted, that may be 30 years from now, but we need to start doing that planning now. And so anyway, that's just my thoughts. They, they kind of set me back a little bit. I'm going, but you're a mile and a half farther than I'm thinking. Anyway. Well, I know that the county Maryland Hall board member has been talking about the open space planning. I don't know if that process is underway yet, but I hope the city and the county are working together to think about all these connections. Yeah, we're working together right now, and we're both aligning with the same goals of more recreation and opportunities and protecting and sustaining the environment for the community. Well, John Alvandi, board member. Um, you know, I was reading, I came across a really interesting article the other day, which was talking about, and it was sort of data-driven, about the relationship between open space and like neighborhoods and health, the health of the residents. And I don't think we do enough in our, I don't know, but I don't think like the connection between community health and urban planning, I don't know that it's as prominent as I think it should be. And I'm on the I'm on the uh, department, the public health department, the board. I don't think we do enough, of, you know, connecting those things. I would really like to see some connection between public health and parks and rec. I think it'd be cool. Okay, director of parks and recreation. And another time we talked to developers is, and, and parks and rec does get a lot of ditches. We've got some fantastic ditches for recreation, but we also have to start thinking about those neighborhoods and new developments. They're gonna need pocket parks yes. with amenities, with park yes. features. And so we have been engaging with PDS on, We've got to do a better job of getting land set aside and future developments will get there. We have yes. Panasonic getting ready to go out by DeSoto. Um, DeSoto's population is 4,800. Eudora is about the same. They don't have lot spaces. I was meeting with Eudora today too, and they're parks and rec. So all the communities are kind of scratching their head. We're lot, we have a lot deficiency and a housing deficiency here in Lawrence. And so we're, Everybody's thinking and scratching their heads on how do we get that moving so when those employees come in, hopefully they look at Lawrence and go, what a great community. And they have houses that are affordable. 
And parks. And parks. <laughs> we, we, we went in the parks. We really do. Yeah. And parks. So playgrounds. That's all I have, Jackie. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. Any other comments or questions? All right. Well, with that, it takes us to our next meeting will be Monday, October 10th at 530. I'm assuming we'll continue with hybrid unless something else changes. I'm sure Roger will let us know. And looking for a motion to adjourn. This is Andrea Chavez, board member. I move to adjourn the meeting. John Albanian, board member, second. All right. All those in favor to adjourn? Say aye. Aye. Anyway, thank you, everyone, and we will see you next month on October 10th. Hi. Does Columbus stay a holiday? Oh, I'm, I'm a